Hello, welcome to the Rankers. Uh, once again, I'm Kyle Wright, and with me tonight is Stuart McPhee. How are you? Uh, Kyle Wright, you son of a bitch. I am fine. Thank you. I see in 2023, you're still sticking with that. I am. And look, it's it's been a f- very, very long time since since we've done a podcast together. Um, yep. How are you going, buddy? All good? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Uh, looking forward to what's in store for this year. Um, there's some um, uh, wonderful sporting events coming up, uh, particularly for my first love, which is cricket. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got the Australian Open starting soon. Um, uh, and some TV, sh- TV shows I'm really looking forward to this year. Yep. Uh, which, uh, you know, considering we're discussing our favorites from last year movies, TV shows, albums, and sporting moments. Yep. Um, I'm really excited for this year, actually. Um, it seems that the, well, fingers crossed that the COVID interruptions are now out of the way for all of those things and uh, that we can get back to an even playing field. Absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, 2022 was an interesting year uh, for pop culture. I think some things were better than others. I, I don't know about you, but sometimes they're, whether it's, you know, films or TV shows or, or albums, they sort of go in waves, like they'll take yeah. sort of t- alternate turns in uh, being a, a peak year. Um but I, I think there was some some plenty of, uh, of great things across the board on the sort of four categories that we usually discuss on this podcast, and uh, I think there's some exciting things in store for for all four as well. And yeah, as as you said uh, before, we know it, we'll have Australian Open and uh, new albums and and movies uh, after the January um, sort of uh, glut. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it should be a great year. Looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah. So- I guess we should apologise. We haven't been as regular as we have been in the past. Yeah, our lives are busy at times, and we do apologise for that. I know we were supposed to do our uh, annual uh, Movember uh, podcast on the uh, best Mo's in music, so we might have to reserve that one for this year. Yep. Um, yeah, but um, hopefully we'll be back into some sort of regular uh, podcasting schedule for for our um our valued listeners out there. Absolutely. Um, obviously starting with this one. So I guess for, um, I'll make sure we're time stamping everything. It's the 10th of January today, 10 years into our new year. And we are going to tonight review our favorite movie, our favorite TV show, our favorite album and our favorite sporting moment. So I might let you kick off here, Stuart. And why don't you tell us why uh, Top Gun Maverick was your favorite movie of 2022? Uh, look, I, 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 didn't choose Top Gun Maverick because I, I assumed you were going to. <laughs> um, and and so we're, we're not saying this in jest. Top Gun Maverick was a phenomenal film. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, all that being said, I haven't chosen Top Gun Maverick for my favourite film this year. Wow. Um, you have surprised me, Stuart. Uh, well, I, I, I zag when everyone else zigs, I guess. Um, <laughs> Top Gun Maverick is uh, deserves all, all the plaudits and, and hopefully – I really, truly hope it does get a best uh, best film nomination at the at the Oscars. But look, let's let's see how we go. The, look, the film that I chose is, is technically a 2021 movie, but um, because it's a, a f- yeah, correct. Uh, just uh, playing fast and loose with the rules as per usual. Uh, it, it actually got a 2022 release here, um, and I think. This seems to be a bit of a trend because I think I, I chose a foreign film last time as well. This is also a foreign film. And I'm not doing this to make me sound like some arty intellectual who lives in the inner north of Melbourne. 
although if the shoe fits, I guess, as I, uh, as I just pick up my, my glass of rosé next to me. Um, uh, but the, the, the film I chose is a, a Japanese film called Drive My Car. Um, and it's uh, the director is uh, uh, Ryosuke Hamaguchi. I've probably mangled that. I apologize to uh, Mr. Hamaguchi. Before you continue, please yes. tell me it's got a Japanese version of the Beatles' Drive My Car as as its theme song or one of the it's, songs in the movie. It it doesn't. Uh, but I if if I, if I am uh, not mistaken, it's it's the the title of it is based on uh, on the Beatles' song. Yep. Uh, it's got nothing to do with the Beatles song. Uh, so th- this is actually based on a, uh, a Murakami short story. Um, mm-hmm. Murakami uh, is a Beatles fan. I, I think one of his uh, his uh, previous uh, re- publications was called Norwegian Wood. Um, uh, this is uh, called Drive My Car. Um, and I have a feeling that there is a little bit of the, the Drive My Car motif in some of the some of the, the the theme music that that is in the that is in the film, I, I could be wrong there. Um, so, despite it being based on a, I think it's about a 70, 70 page short story. This is actually a three hour film. <laughs> it's uh, uh, and for for those that uh, that are listening that are in Australia, um, it's currently uh, available for free on SBS on demand. Um, and I think that was the same with the uh, with the my choice from last year as well. So the plot, um, two years after his wife's unexpected death, uh, Yusuke Kafuku, uh, a renowned stage actor and director receives an offer to direct a production of Chekhov's uncle Vanya, uh, at a theater festival in Hiroshima. Um, there he meets Masaki, uh, a young woman assigned by the festival to chauffeur him in his beloved red Saab 900. Um, forced to confront painful truths raised from his past, a Yusuke begins with the help of his driver to face the haunting mysteries his wife left behind. Um, now, some people that'll just wash over and go, "Well, that's just arty intellectual nonsense." That I'm, I've got no that's interest in it. Uh, but for me, it's it was just a, a really engrossing film. The there is almost a um, a forty minute opening act um, before it really gets into what I've, I've described in the plot. It, it, it sort of covers his time with his wife before, before she unexpectedly uh, passes. And in what is probably the most uh, director bullshit moment that I've come across in quite a while um, at that 40 to 45 minute mark after that first act is finished, the opening credits roll. And it's like, who do the fuck do you think you are? Martin Scorsese. Uh, only he can get away with that. Uh, but the Hamaguchi, the director, decides, no, that's where I'm going to drop the opening credits. Uh, and it actually feels natural. Um, it's it's not it, – it, it is a little bit of director bullshit, but I couldn't think of any other place that it, it, it best suits. Uh, the music in it is, is really great, uh, the, the, the score. The cinematography is phenomenal. There's a um, – uh, essentially the, the, the final third of, of the film or the final fifth of the film is is, is this – great uh drive through japan uh and you see these glorious landscapes um uh, and uh it's it's the great connection that uh that the lead actor has uh with uh with his driver but with the other um performers in the play and and those that have a connect connection to him from his past as well um so yeah really really enjoyed drive my car uh, my favorite film from 2022 fantastic that does sound interesting. Well, I, you know, uh, check it out. It's, it's 
available for free on SBS On Demand. But, you know, you, you do need to invest the three hours. And being <laughs> subtitles, it's one of those ones you put the phone away. Well, that's a good segue into um, my choice because having three times as many kids as you, I um, don't have as much time to get the uh, rosé out and um, <laughs> for, watch three-hour arty films. Mm. Um mm particularly ones that I have to read as well. So um, I'm assuming that it's subtitle, English subtitles. Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. All right. Um, I'm going to preface mine by saying that obviously with the three children, I don't get a lot of time to get out to the cinema to see films that aren't kids' movies. Um, yep. Obviously, I got out to see Top Gun Maverick, which was good. Um, and there's a few from this year that I haven't seen yet, such as, uh, the Elvis movie, which I haven't got around to seeing yet, um, and the new Knives Out movie, which I'm pretty keen on seeing as well. So yeah, um, I, I I saw that recently. Uh, quite okay. liked it. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. not as good as the first one, but still good. So I was very close to you know just uh, seeing a film which I had a lot of fun uh, watching in the cinema actually, which was Bullet Train. I think oh. another um, yep. based off a Japanese novel. I think it is. Yep. Um, it, as long as you uh, suspend belief and you go in there, and it is, it's a really fun film to watch. Yep. Um, but the film that I've gone for, which I probably my favourite from last year and the best one, I think, from what I saw last year was The Batman. So um, yep. with Robert Pattinson, um, better, probably better known as a vampire, mm-hmm. um, but he takes on this role really well. Um, and I've always thought, as I've said in previous podcasts when we've spoken about these superhero type movies that the, the DC Batman style should be a more darker style rather than the MCU, which is a bit more of that comic book style. Yep. I know they're both, you know, based on comic books, but uh, this was a really, and it was more of, you know, Batman being a detective rather than Batman being a superhero. So yep. I kind of had that really grainy, that dark feel, and it was a, a really intense and, um, you know, probably one of the probably the best Batman rendition since obviously the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, probably because Ben Affleck's not the Batman. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed that film. I thought Paul Dando did a great job as the Riddler. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm not gonna go deep into the plot there because we all know what Batman movies are like, but correct. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I've probably gone against myself with a lot of the things I have commented on with the constant rebooting of uh, superhero movies, in particular the DC side of things. Uh, But uh, this one just stood out that I've seen this year. And again, prefacing with the ones that I haven't seen yet. um, Probably my favourite one of uh, last year. And I have seen recently that... um, DC are going is going to be run by James Gunn now, and they're going to try and start their own uh, multi cinematic universe. So we're in for more and more superhero movies, which I'm I'm sure we're all pleased to hear about. Yeah, that will that'll be interesting. Well, good good choice. Uh, James Gunn, I have a feeling he's he's got in the can i think he did guardians of the galaxy yeah. 3 which is yet to come out so yep. be interesting he's how much he, those mcu ones yeah yeah so it'd be interesting if he's still got commitments to to promote it even mm. though he's he's with the competitor um yeah. well i mean actors go across like some have been in dc and mcu as well so 
yeah. I don't think that's much of a an, an issue as such. No, no. Uh, I mean, I yeah. Uh, I, I still pine for the days that uh, we can have a more camp Batman a la Adam West <laughs> in the TV series, but I guess you, you, you take them as they come. So, no, good choice there. Uh, well you. done, the Batman. Um, what are we going to move to now? TV show, album, or supporting well, let, moment? Let's stay on the, uh, the film slash TV theme yep. and go with favourite TV show. I'll kick off if you want me to. Yeah, sure. All right, so... I've gone with the second season of The White Lotus. Do you know much about The White Lotus? Uh, I know of The White Lotus because uh, my wife watches it. I haven't watched it, but I, I know what it's about, though. Ah, do yourself a favour. Um, yep. And for me, not as first season, but I think the characters are a little bit deeper in this one. Um, and it's one of those... Um, TV shows where you just, as soon as you finish one episode, you're ready for the next one. And as I've mentioned before, I prefer the week on week rather than being able to binge them all in one go. Um, and so for those that don't know, the white Lotus has the premise where the, the series starts and there there's a death and you don't know who's died and it's all. And then the, there's people. So the white Lotus is a, uh, like a hotel resort that's all around the world, sort of like a Hilton or a Sheraton. And, you know, there's different spots all around the world. And so these people arrive, we meet all the different characters. They've all got their own quirky sort of things about them. They've all got their own dramas that they're dealing with and all these sorts of things. Uh, and so we know one of them's going to die or one of our main characters. We just don't know which one it is. Um, and so we go episode by episode, things happen. Sometimes the characters intertwine. Um, and it's just a real, um, I guess, portrayal of modern life and the uh, insecurities we have and, um, you know, how we play with those particularly. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of generations in there too. So there'll be like a grandparent and parents and children and that's how they, or adult children and how they re relate to each other and how they interact with each other. So yep. it's a really interesting show and it's uh, written and directed by Mike White, um, who I remember from, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's School of Rock, but anyway, uh, he does a lot of those sort of quirky sorts of things as well. So yeah, really awesome TV show. Again, probably not as good as the first one. The first one was just wow. Uh, but this one, I think the characters were a little bit more, had a bit more depth to them and those stories intertwined really well. Yeah, excellent. And so I guess from my limited understanding of it, it's uh, it's a essentially a different cast each time though I believe is Jennifer Coolidge is in both seasons. Yeah. Yeah, she is. She's in both seasons. And yeah, so they, they have the ability to do that because the first one was set in Hawaii. So season yep. one was in Hawaii. This one was set in Rome. I'm pretty sure at least in mm -hmm. Italy. Yep. Um, so you can have new cast members or you can have the odd recurring cast member here. I think yep. there is talk of season three and having someone from season one come in, to that one so it, it, it's able to refresh itself each season even though the plot is essentially the same like someone dies and over the eight or so episodes we kind of figure out these characters lives now they intertwine with each other and then obviously in the final episode we find out who dies yeah great so, yeah great right, good good choice good choice um mine is the the first season of a show called severance now did we speak about severance earlier 
Uh, we have year, I can't remember about it. I can't recall. Uh, so created by and showrun uh, showrunner Dan Erickson. Uh, ben Stiller, I believe, directs uh, a large chunk of the of the season as well. Uh, so uh, the the main plot, uh, starring uh, Adam Scott, who was in Parks and Recreation and Party Down, which actually has a a, a revival series happening this year, which would be great. Um, Mark, uh, played by Adam Scott, leads a team of office workers whose memories have been surgically divided between their work and personal lives. When a mysterious colleague appears outside of work, it begins a journey to to discover the truth about their jobs. Um, that's pretty much all you really need to know. It's because anything else starts to spoil uh, the show. Um, but it is very much this decision of um, having this this operation that means that uh, when you are at work, you have no memory of your personal life um, and what happens outside of it. You don't know if you're if you're married, if you have kids, uh, what sort of house you live in, what sort of uh, life you lead. Uh, and then, as soon as work finishes, the 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 chip that's in your your brain then switches over so that you have no memory of what you do at work. Um, and yeah, it's and it's. It is very much a, a puzzle box type show, um, but it's in a more contained way than than say you know the world of Lost, which um, then started to to I guess uh, collapse on itself with the amount of questions that it uh, th- that it raised. Um, the 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 style and setting is also really interesting. So. Um, it's at least in this season, it's set during winter in what looks like the, uh, the sort of the, the Northeast of, of the U S and it's got that real bleak sort of, uh, uh, aesthetic about it. But then the, the work environment has this sort of really 60s, 70s feel about it. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which is a great, uh, a great way of also, I guess, helping to, um, to divide the, the work and, and personal lives. Um, the the cast is pretty talented. So you got uh, Adam Scott, um, John Turturro, Patricia Arquette, uh, Christopher Walken is in there in a few episodes as well. Uh, but the, the one that really stands out uh, is Britt Lower as Helly. She's the new worker uh, who comes in and starts to to ruffle feathers. Um, and uh, yeah, she's she's an absolute knockout. Um, uh, I'm it ended really great on, on, on a cliffhanger in the last episode, which sort of just felt like a, a relentless 40 minutes of, of, of pure action and adrenaline um, has, has really set up season two. Um, whether it goes multiple seasons uh, and uh, depending on how they want to drip feed, how, what, how the world is created and made up and, and who's linked to who I'm not quite sure. Um, but uh, hopefully the, the second season is uh, is just as strong as the first. So, yeah, Severance, uh, the debut season, was my favourite TV show of last year. And where would we find that one? That's uh, on, that'll be on your on your Apple TV Plus. Um, no free ads. Uh, the um, the I, I I do have to give a shout out to Andor, which was um, oh yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Uh, which the, the the highs in that were were just as good as anything else I saw this year, um, and and restored my faith in what what the whole Star Wars franchise can do. It's as far as I know, it's it's probably the the least popular TV show or 
product that they've done since Disney purchased it, but uh, some least of the popular. stuff. Sorry, what was that? Least, that surprises me, least popular. Yeah, um, well. What I've heard, it's most people's favourites. Yeah, well, I, I think it's one of those things of, if you really if you like it, you'll you'll shout about it from the rooftops. And uh, but I, I think from the, the the watchers' point of view, it it probably hasn't um, hasn't translated the same as uh, what Obi Wan did or what um, or what the Mandalorian has done. But uh, yeah, I, I really really enjoyed, it and I think um, uh, season two is is um, is going to be just as good, if not better, as it as as the plot of Andor. Um, starts to seep into um uh the events of rogue one so yeah uh, that that's that's my honorable mention for tv shows excellent hmm. all right well why don't you kick us off with your favorite album of 2022 yeah so mine is from and they probably hate this term but the most consistent band in music and that is um spoon and their album uh lucifer on the sofa uh and I, i'm i'm just realizing and this will actually there's a there seems to be a common theme most of my uh favorite things happened earlier in 2022 so drive my car was came out here january february 22 yep. severance was an earlier in the year like a march and and spoon i think was either the first or second album i purchased in in 22 um yeah their their 10th album they are so consistent that the styles do change a little bit um, but the the quality of of the songs uh, remains um, standout. Songs on on the album is the the first single, the hardest cut, uh, and then they got this really great three song run in the middle of the of the album, uh, Wild My Babe and Feels Alright. Where um, if if you um, needed me to put together a, a a twenty track greatest hits as a bit of an intro, I'd probably choose those those four songs off their 10th album. It's, wow. it's amazing. Um, they then followed up with a, a sister album later in the year called Lucifer on the moon. Um, and it's what they've described as the anti-gravity companion to Lucifer on the sofa. It's, um, uh, it's a, essentially a track by track reworking of the album by uh, Adrian Sherwood, who's a, who's a dub producer. Now, usually the, the word dub starts me running in the opposite direction, but it's um he's he's rejigged the 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 track order um yeah there's a little bit of uh dub style production on it but what he's essentially done is he's been given free reign to use any of the um the 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 individual um uh tracks within the song uh to you know either highlight the vocals highlight the drumming um, instruments that sort of were buried really deep down in the mix. Um, and uh, whilst it, it it is essentially a remix album, it's not a dance remix album, it is just a, a nice point of difference. Um, and uh, if, if, if I was uh, a little bit more narrow in my view, I probably w- would have had that album as my second or third favourite album this year, <laughs> um, at next to uh, Lucifer on the Sofa. Um, uh, I, I guess because it, it has been a pretty good year in music for mine, um, Melbourne group Camp Cope uh, with, the, I think that's their third album, Running With The Hurricane, um, was really, really good. And um, uh, American uh, singer-songwriter Amanda Shire's um, Take It Like A Man uh, was also a, a favourite album of mine this year. But 
the one that gets the chocolates is Lucifer on the sofa by Spoon. Fantastic. All right. Well, I was quite tempted to go with the rewiggled album, mm-hmm. um, particularly uh, Custard's version of uh, what is it? I do the propeller. Yeah. Uh, but I'm actually going to be a little bit self-indulgent here, and I'm going with uh, Liam Gallagher's "Come On, You Know." Um, that 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 was a given. <laughs> <laughs> well, any any uh, Liam Gallagher release is always going to be my favorite release for that year. Yeah. Uh, on 27th May, um, and unlike his uh, brother, who was known for his great songwriting, who has now diminished to somewhat of almost a. Um, you know, caricature of himself with some terrible outputs recently. And yeah. can't say I'm really looking forward to his album this year, but we'll see how we go. Um, Liam, on the other hand, just keeps going strength to strength. He understands he's not a songwriter as such, and he gets in who he needs to do what he needs to do. And his albums are getting better rather than diminishing like Knowles are. Um, uh, particularly the, uh, the first single off that album, which, he brought Dave Roll in to help him, and that was uh, Everything's Electric. Um, and then songs that really grew on me on that one, like Diamond in the Dark and um, Come On, You Know. Uh, and then going to see him live, which was, for me, the best gig I've uh, been to in Australia that involved Liam. So that's Oasis, BDI, Liam Gallagher. Easily the best time I've seen him. Absolutely on on song. Um the Oasis one, a song's mixed really well with his um, solo stuff. Such a fantastic gig. And those newer songs held up as well. Um, so easily, easy choice for me. Uh, come on, uh, you know, from Liam Gallagher. Excellent. Now tell me, is uh, Everything Electric a sequel to She's Electric? Uh, well, it, we could have done it on a previous episode as, and I could have included it as a better, um, you know, than the original. So... I'm not 100 sure it's a um, a sequel, but okay. If you want it, if you want it to be, it can be sure. Excellent. Well, there, there's not enough sequel songs in uh, in music. Uh, hey, so that's a good point. That's yeah. A good point. Mm. Maybe, uh, that's, maybe that's a uh, a ranking episode for the future. Yeah. Uh, well, I I can tell you now that the 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 top slot uh, is Moody Blues. Uh, uh, what is it? I know you're out there somewhere, and um. Uh, whatever the uh, the other song is, something about wild. Anyway, uh, we're, we're we're off topic. We're talking about Moody Blues now. Let's move on. Uh, your sporting moment of the year, sir. Ah, oh, well, there's so many. Mm. Um, and I, I think last year I chose Emma McEwen's um, effort at the Olympics. Yes. I'm I'm going with another female here, and someone I think it was a 44 year drought for. Women at the Australian Open, I'm going with Ash Barty and her win at the Australian Open right at the start of last year. And yep. so much so much has happened since then. It was it's crazy to think about. She's retired. Yep. She's, she's now pregnant. Yep. Um, and who would have thought that, um, you know, when she, I think she was uh, down a set in the semifinal or whatever and came back to win. Um, and then so much has changed since then. Uh, an absolutely brilliant effort from her. Who would have thought the... The young girl who started out in tennis and then headed over and uh, played some cricket with the Brisbane Heat and the WBBL and then went back to tennis and then such someone of such short stature, not a power game like her contemporaries in Serena Williams, but just that that guile and that um, master of stroke and the ability to 
you know, mix up her ground strike shots and um, to win a Wimbledon and to win an Australian Open, which many Australians have struggled with over the last 20 to 30 years and to pretty much do it with ease uh, with all these power um, athletes around her. Uh, such a phenomenal effort and uh, all power to her, but such a shame that she's retired from the sport when I think she had a lot more grand slams in her. Yeah, and look, the, uh, good choice and, and so good in fact that it's actually mine as well. Oh, nice. Uh, so that was a, a nice way to end it without um, without pre-planning it. Um, yeah, uh, Ash Buddy winning the Australian Open was it for mine. Um, I think the, the whole – and she, whether she, she felt it as much as – uh, as as we did, the, this whole desire to, to win uh, a, a home Grand Slam, um, which uh, I think has you know if if you if you equate it to anything, it's like England trying to bring back the the World Cup in in football, or or, or, or an English person trying to win Wimbledon, or Australia um, trying to win beat New Zealand in rugby in New Zealand. Exactly, yeah, it, that that's that's right, and and this had. You know, almost, almost sort of echoes of of when uh, Kathy Freeman won in um, oh, yeah. in two thousand, because it, this was one of the very few uh, monoculture moments of uh, of from an Australian sporting landscape. Because you always have, you know, whether it's the cricket team or or the or the national soccer team or whoever, you always have some knockers or people who aren't interested in it. I don't think you find anyone who has a bad word to say about Ash Barty um, at all, at all. Um, and and I actually like the fact that she decided to to retire, get out on top, yeah. uh, almost like uh, Gervais uh, finishing uh, the office after two seasons. You know, yeah. um, I'll do. I'll give you a Christmas special, but that's it. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty special. I think probably I I, correct me if I'm wrong. uh, One of the very few people who very few tennis players who has retired, uh, when they were number one, uh, which, which hardly happens. Um, and, uh, and, and to, to have her final, uh, her final grand slam be the Australian open and, and win that was, was pretty great. Um, and, and particularly as well, you need to remember, twelve months is a long time. But that entire lead up was dominated by the whole Djokovic no, uh, nonsense. Yeah. Um, that we 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 needed we needed a different different story, and we thought, um, whilst uh, you know, it was a pretty good story for uh, uh, for Koki and Arcus and Kyrgios in the doubles. Mm-hmm. Um, the Particularly, um, the that that slime ball Medvedev beating Kyrgios in the second round, and Medvedev making all the way uh, to the final, but thankfully Nadal beating him. Um, you, you needed, you know, we really needed Barty, uh, and we also needed um, uh, the, the Australian of the Year last year, um, uh, Alcott as, as well, because that was his final final tournament as well, from memory. Yeah, I could be wrong. I think you're right. Um, yeah, so. Uh, and I was actually thinking about it is I, I don't think she's our best female athlete. Cause I think you, there's an argument to say that Sam Kerr is better, although it's hard to, hard to equate, but she's probably one of our most, most versatile. You, you mentioned the cricket. She, she could, and you know, there's still time. She could easily go back to cricket. She could uh, and get a contract in, in the WBBL. 
she's quite handy at golf. She could, you know, see the rest of her thirties and early forties playing golf if she wanted to. Um, you know, she reminds me of, of Elise Perry and, and Aaron Phillips and these people who've played dual sports, um, uh, which I guess when you've got hand-eye coordination or hand-foot coordination, that's some of those things are are transferable. But you also have to have a, a different physique to do it as well. Um, and so to to get herself in different shapes to to have done that is is you know pretty great. Yeah. Oh, see where I'd put her ahead of Sam Kerr is she Barty has been able to get to world number one, stay there win two or maybe three grand slams. Yeah. Three grand slams. Yep. Yep. In a really dominated by bigger, stronger, powerful, more powerful athletes. Mm. And she's been able to overcome that. Like she's not tall. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't say she's as big a build as say a Serena Williams or something no. like that. And no. whereas, you know, Kerr is the build of most soccer players. Um, and yeah. I, and, and I'm and, not and, a big follower of soccer. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I see where you're coming and, from, and 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 it's different in that you can. Uh, I think it's it's fairly recognised. She she's the best female soccer player in in the world, uh, yeah. or you know, or at least in top top two or three. Um, and not you know, not everyone makes it on the cup on the cover of FIFA twenty three either. Yeah, true. But but it's 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 also the which will be the age old thing of you know you're part of a team sport versus you know an individual as well, which which you know, makes it the whole thing, uh, the whole idea of, of which one is better fruitless, but Hey, we're on a ranking podcast, uh, here. So we'll, we'll make our decisions. Um, yeah. I, I think what makes, uh, Barty's, uh, triumph at the Australian Open even more spectacular is that she was the only, probably the only one apart from a close entourage that knew that this was her last tournament. Yeah. And so for her, knowing that, you know, and, and with each win, it's getting closer, it's getting closer and that, you know, when she goes out, she's going to retire, you know, and, you know, that's probably had added weight to it as well. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, and it, it sort of, um, it it gave us a, at the time, well, this this could be a start of a, a mm. long run. And then, yes. and then all of a sudden there was an absence and, you sort of go well. Where where does women's tennis go now? It's um yeah we it it'll it'll ultimately be the one of the great sporting what ifs if she, if she continued. Um, but I I actually you know like the fact that she's she's decided to go out on top. Um, yeah, yeah. I always thought she had won the, the US, but uh, but was it was it Stosa that won the US? Maybe that's where Stosa, I'm mixing it up. Stosa won the French and the US. Yeah, I know, right. I know Barty won. She won Wimbledon the year before and won. Yeah, and, Aussie, and won French. I'm sure she's won the French as well. Yeah. Yeah, she has. Yeah, because um, uh, she's she's won on three different surfaces. It was actually a sneaky good year for Australia in tennis. You had Barty winning the Oz Open, obviously yep. the special case. They won the doubles yep. at the Aussie. Uh, yep. Kyrgios made the final at Wimbledon. Yeah. Uh, Tomol, I'm not going to say her name right. Tomolovic, I think she made the semis at Wimbledon. Yeah, um, we made the final of what is now a Mickey Mouse Davis Cup against Canada um, yep. at the end of the year. So uh, an actually really successful year for Australian tennis. Yeah, and 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 Demonor sort of started to show himself a little bit mm. as well. I think he made the fourth round at Oz Open. Yeah, um, and he, he beat Nadal last week as well. So yeah, in in you know in the Mickey Mickey Mouse <laughs> tournament. Uh, um, don't get me started the... on what tennis has done to itself. 
Oh, yeah, it's just it's just absolutely stupid. Um, you, you you watch, we'll we'll get twenty 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 five years or so into the future, and we'll go. Maybe Kyrgios was right, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but let's 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 not give him the praise just yet. Uh, yeah, that's no, uh, it, it's a short state of affairs. What uh, what tennis has become in in, in some circumstances, but um, hey, we're not the uh, we're not the, the tennis czars of the world, and probably no, better for it. Um, I think that was a good wrap of twenty twenty two and all the relevant pop culture moments. Absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, and looking forward, as I said, I think particularly in the sporting landscape, I think twenty twenty three's got a lot in store for it. I think those blockbuster movies are starting to come back, so um, that should be really good. And uh, a show I'm looking forward to this year is The Last of Us. It's a HBO show based on oh, yes. video game, which I rate the greatest. Uh, or at least PlayStation game I've ever played. So I'm really, really looking forward to that one. And it starts on Monday our time. So I'm excited for that one. So that's probably a precursor to what will be my wrap up of 2023. But yeah, really looking forward to this year. Yeah. Any, no, uh, anything uh, uh, on the horizon that you're looking forward to this year? Um, on the horizon, I think the, this, I mentioned Scorsese at, at some point that, he has done a film with DiCaprio called Kills of the Flower Moon, which is, uh, which looks really good. Um, music wise, uh, I really don't know what's, what's in store. Um, and I hope to be, uh, surprised uh, by it. TV show wise, uh, the fourth season of succession, um, looking forward to that, um, as my sort of the, the, the holder of the, the championship belt in terms of, uh, the, the best, sort of ongoing TV series now that Better Call Saul has, has finished. Um, and yeah, sporting wise, uh, just my, my relevant beleaguered teams that I go for in various leagues, um, going better than what they did last year. And that's probably not going to happen. So, uh, <laughs> I, I won't, what, yeah, I, I won't hold out, uh, any hope, but, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see how we go. Uh, but a, look, a, a quick recommendation. I know we don't usually cover books, but uh, my favorite book that I read last year, uh, which probably fits into a lot of our our uh, listenership, is um, uh, a book called The Nineties, which is all about the decade of of the nineties by uh, a really great uh, pop culture writer called Chuck Klosterman, um, and sort of gives the sense that well, the nineties really didn't didn't actually start on Jan one. 1990 or 1991 depending on on how you do maths and didn't end December 31 1999 it's sort of it sort of started when Nirvana um got number one and um sort of finished in September 11 2001 and everything in between that here's how you know that that this was the, the decade that was and it's a it's a really great um uh trip through through the through that decade and um so for anyone that grew up in the 90s, uh, I, I highly recommend it um, by Chuck Closeman, just called The 90s. Cool. Love it. Yeah. I'll check it out. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Stuart. That was a, a really fun wrap of, uh, as I said, pop culture in 2022. Um, and we don't really have anything lined up for our next podcast. So if there's someone out there that wants us to rank something, please let us know on our socials and, uh, and we'll get cracking onto it. Otherwise, in the next couple of weeks, we'll have to think of something that um, we're going to rank. But once again, thanks for listening to The Rankers. We really hope you enjoyed our episode. Anything else you want to finish with there, Stuart? 
Uh, no, um, hope everyone has a great 2023. Yeah, uh, same for me. All right, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks a lot. Cheers.